morning to everyone who's joining us for the first time. My name is Christian Liver, married to one most incredible wife whom I have planned something special with for you all this morning. It's coming in the message, yes. And it's got to come because I cannot talk about handling conflict this morning without pulling in my top conflict handling partner. All right, she grows me, she challenges me, she teaches me, she helps me. So um, we're going to, yes, yes, can we give God a hand for godly women? We're in a series called What Matters Most, a series about relationships. We have an incredible time. Week one, I had the privilege of preaching about a relationship with God and how out of God's relationship in the Trinity, He created all of us for relationship. He created out of relationship. He created for relationship. I want to encourage you. You are welcome to go and take a look at that sermon. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify, Podcast, Deezer. And for those who were born uh, one generation after Moses, it is on SoundCloud as well. So, yes, yes, yes. Sorry. I've got to stir some conflict this morning, okay? Um, Last week, Wesley had an awesome sermon that was titled, Great Sex. Yes, um, I did hear this morning um, that some people told me, are we talking about sex again? Because I skipped last week. If you're okay, if you skipped last week, go watch that sermon. It was incredible. The world is shouting out a message about sex. We cannot be quiet as the church. So please go and listen to that. This week, as I've said, we're talking about conflict. The title is The Space Between Us. The Space Between Us. Now, some of us love and initiate conflict, right, Cindy? And then some of us... <laughs> I'm kidding. Some of, some of us do not like conflict, and we try and avoid it at all costs. But love it or hate it, are you good at it? That is the question that you need to ask this morning. That is what I really am trusting God to achieve. And we need to be, friends. You need to be. All of you need to be good at conflict. All of us. Here's why. Two reasons. Number one, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. The closer you move to someone in relationship, the more you discover their imperfections, the more they discover yours. Conflict arises. It's an opportunity for growth in the relationship depending on how it's handled. Constructive, it's going to build the relationship. Destructive, it'll break the relationship. It's inevitable. The only thing you can do is learn to be good at it, and you will build relationships. That's the first reason. The second reason we need to be good at conflict is because Jesus Christ encourages, commands us to be good with it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus said, In the Beatitudes... Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called, yes, children of God. What? Are you, you're telling me that those who are children of God, a fruit on their lives is that they are peacemakers? Yes. 
peacemakers. And what that means to be a peacemaker, it means that you're actively working. Your whole life represents you are reconciling people to one another and to God. That's what it means to be a peacemaker. There's active work towards reconciliation and peace. Okay? This is the fruit. Now, as I was preparing this sermon, man, I realized people, situations can be complex and sensitive. I cannot give you the mother of all sermons that's going to solve the war in Ukraine right now. It's not realistic. But... What I am trusting with the Holy Spirit to do is to give you all conflict. If you really pay attention to today, I can give you principles that can and will empower you to handle every single conflict in a way that it's going to honor and glorify God and bring about reconciliation. Would you like that? Yes, great. Let's jump into the sermon. So this sermon, um, part of my bachelor's in theology degree, I had to do a course on conflict and reconciliation. A lot of this sermon is based on that course and based on the book, Peacemaker, a Biblical Guide to Resolving Personal Conflict by Ken Sonder. They have been in the business of reconciliation and peacemaking for decades, okay? You can get the book. It will change your life. It is a very big and long elaboration, over 300 pages elaboration on my sermon this morning. So that's definitely going to help you um, get that book. Um, And with that, today is also going to be a little bit different. Usually I take one scripture and I just lay it out for you all. One scripture. It's not what I'm doing this morning. This morning we're talking about a topic. We're taking multiple scriptures from those scriptures, principles to peacemaking that are backed up, obviously, by the scripture, but also backed up by scientific evidence. There's a lot of research that went into the principles that I'm sharing with you this morning. I don't care how old you are, how long you've been handling conflict, who you are and what you've done. This morning you're going to learn something new about conflict, you'll see. Okay, great. Number one, where does conflict come from? James chapter 4 verse 1 to, do, 1 to 2. James says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have So you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. According to the scripture, conflict arises when someone doesn't get what they want. Whether it's a legitimate desire, a basic need, whatever it is, when your desires and goals are in conflict with someone else's, voila, Conflict happens. Ken Sander defines in this book conflict as being a difference in opinion or purpose that frustrates someone's goals or desires. This is conflict and where conflict comes from. I want to note uh, a scripture, a, a, a word, specific word from James chapter 4. And that's that word covet. That word covet right there. You covet and cannot obtain. Now what is coveting? Coveting is the 10th commandment. It's commandment number 10. And it is a commandment that does not deal with action. For you to covet, you don't have to do anything physically. You can sit on your chair right now and you can covet and sin. By being quiet and just having a thought. Here's why. Because covet, the opposite of coveting is to be content. The opposite of coveting is to love God so much 
that you are completely content in Him, regardless of your circumstances. God is enough for you. Therefore, to covet is to be discontent with relationship with God, so in your heart you're looking around for things to fill the hole. That's what it means to covet. So, in summary, conflict arises when I have desires that are not met or when I desire anything more than I desire God. That is conflict. Right there. That's where all conflict comes from. So you're already starting to see a trend here. If we came from a place where we're completely satisfied in relationship with God, then we've already got the foundation to handle conflict in a godly way. So, some questions we can ask when we're going to try and sort out conflict. We're asking, what is it that I have desired that caused this conflict to arise? What do you desire? What do you really want? What is your role? Because in conflict, there's always two parties. So what is your role? What have you desired that has made this conflict arise? What, is it a self-centered desired? How can God be enough for you before you try and make the other person bend down to your desires? How can God be enough? Now, all too often, as a result of our strong desires or our feelings, we handle conflict in a completely wrong and unbiblical way. I'm going to say this, and I really want you to reflect, okay? Is these ways, ways you handle conflict, because it was ways I did before I did this course. I did this course after I've been in ministry for six years. Then I realized, oh my word, I handle conflict Many times in a God, not a God-honoring way. So how do we tend to handle conflict? Number two, well, there's two wrong responses. There's the fight response or the flight response, right? You've heard of this. There's the peace breakers and there's the peace fakers. Okay. Peace breakers are those who are more interested in winning the conflict than preserving healthy relationships. It's about winning. It's about being right. It's about looking good doing it. Okay? How we do that? We assault, not just physically but verbally. We shout. We, we, we accuse. We insult. By the way, shouting is the lowest form of verbal communication. When you're in a conflict and you start shouting, you've lost. Stop. You've lost. Stop. Say, we're going to take a moment to cool down. You go away and you come back later. When you start shouting, you've lost. So if there's people here this morning, you've shouted recently, you repent, okay? I'll repent also. When I shout, I repent. The attack responses include litigation. That's taking people to court. Guys, there is little amount of things that hurts our Christian testimony like taking people to court. Yes, there are times when the, the, the offense has been so severe. It's, it was abuse beyond what is okay. And then it needs to be settled in court. But... As far as possible, we want to avoid that. And when we're going to court, you ask, will going to court right now damage my testimony for Jesus Christ? Sometimes it's so severe, the situation, that it won't. 
everyone will understand. But that is, oh, that's a last resort. And then obviously murder. Now murders, most Christians hopefully won't do that, obviously. But 1 John 3 verse 15 says that if you hate someone, if you are struggling to forgive someone, you have committed murder. You've murdered them in your heart. Unforgiveness and hatred is the same as murder in the heart. Hectic. Where's the good news? It's coming, okay? It's coming. We've got the flight responses. These are responses where people are more interested in, in avoiding than resolving. And this is common in church because Christians believe they must just agree with everything and with everyone. The peace must be maintained. No, the peace must be made. It must not be maintained. Okay? Many times in my Kune groups, discipleship groups, when I go through our five values, I tell people, value number five. Who can tell me what's our, what's, what's family? There we go. It's family. What's the difference between conflict in an organization and conflict in a family? Organization, I'm unhappy. I take my things. I leave. I run. I flight. But in a family, you've got to talk it through. You've got to resolve. This church is a family. You've got to come and resolve, not run away. So denial is pretending like it doesn't exist. Obviously it does, so it makes matters worse. And two weeks later, we've got to sort out 10 things, not just one. Running away, flight, that's leaving the house, ending friendship, quitting job, filing for divorce, or changing churches. Friends, I want to encourage you. When you, if this is your spiritual family, God has planted you in this family, and you want to leave, don't you want to ask God and your leaders to send you to another church because we're blessing that church with an incredible leader instead of running away because you got hurt? We're a family. Don't run away. We make peace. And then, obviously, suicide. Sorry, one thing I need to say about flight. The only time, there's times that this is okay, and that is to respectfully or temporarily withdraw from a confusing, emotional, or physically threatening situation. Then it's okay. We need to withdraw. But because in this space and in this current circumstance, we cannot make peace. We've got to create different circumstances. Does that make sense? Okay. Suicide. When hope is lost, this is how we respond. By the way, this is the third Leading cause of death in teenagers in the United States. Third highest le leading cause of death in teenagers is suicide. Most of the time because of the way that the families have handled conflict with a teenager. Most of the time because of the way conflict has been handled. So, which one do you tend to? Which way do you tend to go? Are you able... To maintain an objective view, to keep the emotions low, and have a civil conversation to make peace? Do you fight or do you flight? Why do we tend to do this? Why do we tend? Well, there's a couple of reasons why we tend to run into these things. We run into these issues. We, we fight or we flight because we're insecure. We're insecure and we take things personal. We assume that the other person is not thinking about us. They don't care about us. And because of that assumption, we, la we lash out. Fighting with my water bottle. 
We take it personal. We believe the worst. We assume without really investigating. They don't care about me. Really? Did you ask them? No, but look at what they're doing. Really? Well, why did they do that? No, but my leader is not getting to me. He's not drinking coffee with me. Why? No, I don't know. He doesn't care. Really? Did you ask him? Is that what he said? Okay, many times we make an assumption based on the action. We say, this is the motive. It's got to be. There's no other alternative until you ask the question, right? Then you find out, oh. The second reason is we have idols, things we love more than Jesus Christ. That's why we fight. That's why we flight, because that's what we actually want. So how should we handle conflict? My final point, number three, how should we handle conflict? And we're going to dwell here a bit, okay? I'm going to share four principles, but before I get to my four principles, I want to invite my lovely assistant, (laughs) wife, can we give her a hand as she makes her way up here? Here's what my wife and I are going to do. We're going to do a dialogue about a conflict that was handled in a godly way. Okay, this is an actual conflict. It really happened. Um, I know it doesn't always necessarily go this way, but there's a lot of principles that we can pull from this conflict. All four principles I'm going to pull out from Scripture is based on the way that this conflict was handled. Um, I've chosen very carefully in this conflict. The lady is handling it right and the man not. But um, I encourage you guys just to follow with us in the story, uh, in the dialogue. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you learn a little bit before we jump into the principles. Thank you, my wife. Hello. Okay. Are you ready for some conflict? Yes, my (laughs) wife. Let's do this. Okay. So my name is Janet, and you are Larry, okay? While Janet waited patiently for all Larry's students to file through the door, she prayed a simple prayer of trust. Father, help me to glorify you. When she saw that he was finished with his work and placing papers into his briefcase, she walked casually into his classroom. Larry, do you have a few minutes to talk? I'm pretty busy right now. What do you want to talk about? I'd like to ask your forgiveness for the way I spoke to you last week and talk about how we are relating to each other. But if this isn't a convenient time, I could come back later. Oh, no, that's, that's okay. I've got a few minutes. Thanks. Well, like I said, I need to ask your forgiveness for what I said in the teacher's lounge last Wednesday. When you joked about me in front of Steve and Joyce, I lost my temper and lashed back at you. I was wrong, and I'm sure I embarrassed you. Would you please forgive me? Uh, that's okay. Um, I know I can be sort of abrasive at times. Just forget about it. Forgetting can take a long time. I'd appreciate it if you say you forgive me. Sure, whatever. I forgive you. Let's just drop it. (laughs) Janet had been planning this conversation for days with the help of a trained reconciler in her church. They had anticipated that Larry might try to brush their differences aside. So they had role-played how to keep the conversation going. Janet now put that planning into practice. Since I blew it at you in front of Steve and Joyce, I want you to know that I plan to go to them and admit I was wrong. Is there anything else I can do to make this right with you? Anything else I've done to offend you? Um, No, not, not that I can think of. Maybe you can help me understand something. 
if I haven't done anything else to offend you, why do you say sarcastic things about me in front of others? She's asking, a, she's confronting with a question. Okay, this is good. Hey, I'm, I'm just kidding around. Can't you take a joke? <laughs> Maybe you don't mean to hurt me, but it doesn't feel like a joke, Larry. It's embarrassing to be made fun of in front of the people I work with every day. I don't think they find it funny either. And I don't think I'm the only person who's staying clear of the teacher's lounge just to avoid your jokes. Oh, so now I'm the big bad wolf and the little pigs need to run home to hide. That's just what I mean, Larry. You, you seem to have a habit of calling people names and tearing them down. It's not a good example for your students. And I'm sorry to say that I've overheard some of the staff mocking your faith behind your back. Do you know what they are saying? What? They're calling you a hypocrite. Larry? Larry. <laughs> <laughs> they can't understand how you can claim to be a Christian and yet speak so critically all the time. So Larry cringed at Janet's words, and he began looking for a way to end the conversation. But before he could speak, however, Janet spoke gently. I don't, I don't, I don't think you mean to do it. I believe you want to have a positive witness, but it seems like you're stuck in the habit of saying hurtful things to people. I've struggled with the same problem, Larry. I've hurt so many people with my words. Just ask my family. But God is so forgiving. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And he wants, us to, he wants to free us from our hurtful habits. He doesn't want you and me fighting with each other. He would be so pleased if we forgave each other and worked, worked together to improve our relationship and our witness around here. Larry had never been approached like this in his life. The truth in Janet's words stung, but her tone of voice... And a reminder of God's forgiveness held out a glimmer of hope. He slumped in his chair and sighed with weariness and regret. I don't deserve your forgiveness. I've torn you apart all year, just like everyone else. I've always used sarcasm when I don't know how to relate to people. I go home night after night knowing I blew it, but I just can't seem to change. Is there really hope for a jerk like me? Of course there is. God can help me to get control of my tongue. He can help, if, if God can help me to get control over my tongue, he can help anyone. Let's pray right now and ask him to show us how we can turn our past differences into an opportunity to demonstrate his power in our lives. Awesome. Can we give my wife a hand? Thank you, Riz. All right. A little bit of a different way we're... We're doing this sermon this morning. There's four principles I want to pull out of this conversation between Janet and Larry this morning, and I'm going to use scripture as well. The first principle is glorify God. The question you need to ask in every conflict situation, the first question you ask, the first question you ask, say it, the first question I ask how can I please and honor God in this situation? It's the first question you ask. How can I please and honor God in this situation? This is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 to 11, verse 1. Paul says, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So Paul is saying, your whole life is about God's glory. 
So why shouldn't your conflict be? Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Every single conflict that we ever have is a major opportunity to glorify God, to show the glory of God, to give Him praise. We show what he, who He is, what He is like, and what He is doing. Okay, Look at Paul. Paul is saying, I, like, I, it's not to my advantage. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what I look like. Godly conflict is not about what you want, looking good in front of someone, or never being wrong. It's not about it. Look at the story, Larry. For Larry, what is conflict about? When he sarcastically says, oh, now I'm the big bad wolf. Afrikaans, we say, I'm always the pig. I'm always the one to be wrong. When you say that, you're telling me that the purpose of this conflict is about you not being wrong. It's not about the glory of God. It's about the way you look. It's about you not being wrong. That's what this conflict is about. That's not what conflict is supposed to be, to be about if we're going to be godly peacemakers. If we want to be godly peacemakers, then we need to glorify God. Now, Larry swings between the flight and the fight responses. Do you see that? He's trying to avoid the conversation. Just drop it. Just, yes, we'll move on. Just forget about it. And then he moves to a fight response. He's sarcasm. So he swings that pendulum beautifully. The fight and the flight. Maybe it's because he's insecure, like he did share in the end. He doesn't know how to speak to people. He's insecure about that. There could be many reasons. But here is how Janet, despite Larry's things, what he was saying, here's how she continued to glorify God. She trusted in him. In the beginning, before she goes in, she prays, God, help me glorify you. It's trust right there. Then she obeyed and imitated. How did she obey? Well, she practiced beforehand. With a trained reconciler, she found out, how would God want me to handle this? How would Jesus Christ handle this? And she practiced, and she practiced. And then she went in and she obeyed and imitated Jesus Christ. Look at what she's saying. She's saying things like, she's asking questions, she's listening. She's believing the best about Larry. She's saying, maybe you don't mean to do this. I, I know, I've done this. She's imitating Christ. And she acknowledges God then very verbally. In the conversation, many times people are afraid to bring God into it because it might sound manipulating. But when you have already established that this conversation is not about your desires, it's about the glory of God. When you bring God in, here's what she says. She says, I struggle with the same problem. But... God has forgiven me. And then she testifies of him. She says he would want us to forgive one another. Forgiveness. She glorifies God by acknowledging him verbally. It's the first principle. Every conflict is an opportunity to glorify God. The second principle. Get the log out of your own eye. The question we ask, how can I show Jesus' work in me by taking responsibility for my contribution to this conflict? 
I want to show the work of Christ. Matthew chapter 7, verse 5. We all know this scripture. First, take the plank out of your own eye. We use it sometimes to divert attention away from us, right? Your partner comes and they say, you've done something wrong. You say, hey, take the log out of your own eye first. Okay, the moment you say that, you're telling me, if someone comes to you and they address something, then there is a log. Someone else is seeing it. Here's the difficult thing about a log in your eye. It closes your eye. You can't see the log, but it's there. If there is the slightest chance that you have a role in this conflict, any individual, a slightest chance that you might have a little bit of a speck in your eye, then praise Jesus that it comes under your attention. Because it's not about you, it's about glorifying Him. And if you continue on with a speck in your eye, just believing that you're all perfect, there's nothing wrong you did, we damage His testimony. It's not about us, it's about Him. It's got to be. Okay? I want to quickly say something. If one person in a conflict, like Janet, one person in the conflict says, I will glorify God. I will get the log out of my eye without expecting the other person to do it. Then you have got, I would, this is just, I'm making this statistic up, probably a 90% chance of success in this conflict. Just one person. That's all you need. One person of the two to say, I'll do this. So this is a morning when you don't look to your spouse to say, hey, no, no. This is the morning where you look at yourself and say, where can I grow? Okay. Janet, though most of us might feel she's justified in being angry because of Larry's sarcasm, she doesn't seek justification for her actions. Instead, she starts by acknowledging sincerely, this is what I have done. And she follows what I like to call the six A's of an apology. The six A's of a true apology. This is how you really say sorry, church. You don't say, okay, I'm sorry. That's not a sorry. This is how you really say sorry. Here it is. She admits specifically what she did wrong. She says, I lashed out at you. She never says if, but, or maybe. I lashed out at you, out at you but you need to stop being sarcastic. It's not a sorry. She avoids if, but, and maybe. She knows it's her chance now to get her the log out of her own eye. Yes, addressing what Larry did is coming, but there's no justification for my sins, for my actions. She acknowledges the hurt she caused. I don't know if you saw, but she says to Larry, when I lashed out of you, that must have been embarrassing to you. She acknowledges the hurt. It was embarrassing. She accepts the consequences. She goes beyond. She says, I want you to know that I intend to go to Steve and Joyce who were there and saw my lashing out and admit to them that I was wrong to lash out. She accepts the consequences. Now, Steve and Joyce maybe already forgot. That doesn't matter. She is so set on being a peacemaker, reconciling people to one another and people to God. She doesn't care about herself. She admits, she acknowledges, she accepts the consequences, then she asks for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? And she alters her behavior by God's grace. This is how we say sorry. Okay. So, my, there might be a, a question that arises. Who should go first? Who should get the log out of their own eye first? Who should go first? 
Always the other person. I know, I'm just kidding. Both. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who goes first. It matters that you go and you get the log out of your own eye. Let's look at principle number three. We've got two left. Principle number three, gently restore. Gently restore the other person. Here's the question I ask. How can I lovingly serve others, helping them to take responsibility for their contribution to this conflict? Galatians 6 verse 1. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. My word. So conflict is not meant to be a shouting competition. Not if you're a Christian at least. It's never meant to be that. I grew up in a house where <laughs> there, has, there was some shouting. Okay, all of us have shouted and we've grew up in houses where they've been shouting. This morning, I'm challenging all of you. I'm not asking you to suppress your emotions. It's not what I'm asking. I'm asking to submit your, your emotions to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to say, emotions, I know what I'm feeling right now, but my emotions are telling me something. When I feel hurt, it is because I believe I have been hurt. So when I gently restore others, I don't let my hurt cause me to be angry and shouting. I let my hurt say, hey, I know you might not have meant it, but this is how you made me feel. Why did you do that? What happened? Okay. Three things, three hows. Do you guys see? I've got a principle. I've got a question scripture how. To every principle, here's the how. There's the tone of voice, tone of offense, and the tone of listening. This is how you gently restore someone. First of all, tone of voice. I'm not just talking about shouting. This is confrontation. There's confessing, teaching, reasoning with encouraging, correcting, admonishing, forgiving. Here's the point of your tone of voice. God desires for us to adjust the intensity of your communication to provide the best possible chance of the other person listening and being reconciled. There's an outcome we desire here, and that is reconciliation. It's not that you are heard. It's not that you are healed. It's not the primary concern of peacemaking. It's that you are reconciled to God because He can heal. He can restore. He can forgive. Does it make sense? Gently restore. There's a tone of voice. What this says, what Larry says is, he says Janet's words stung because he is being addressed. He's being confronted. It stings. But her tone of voice and her reminder of God's forgiveness held out a glimmer of hope. Do you, got, do you see that she offered Larry forgiveness before he even asked for it? She said, God wants us to forgive one another. I'm here to forgive you. Will you forgive me? He hasn't even asked. There's a tone of offense. There's so many conflicts that can be overlooked, friends. We need to ask a couple of questions. We need to ask, is this really dishonoring God? Is this damaging your relationship with that person? Is it hurting other people? Is it hurting the offender? Oh my word, I love, I love how God's heart for conflict and peacemaking is for the best of the other person. Look at that. The, the, the question is, is it hurting the offender? If this is all, your answer to these questions is no, then overlook the offense. Continue on. 
There's no need to make a big thing of something that is really not supposed to be a thing. But if it is, obviously Larry was doing all of this. He was dishonoring God. He was damaging his relationship with all of his colleagues. He was hurting others. He was hurting himself. And she went sincerely caring about God and therefore Larry. He said, the other people are saying you're a hypocrite, Larry. But I know you're a Christian. I, don't, I know you don't want to project that outward. So let's talk about this. Do you see that? We seek the best for our enemies, and this is only possible in Jesus Christ. Tone of listening. James 1 verse 19, be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Janet confronted with a question. She started, if I did not offend you, why did you treat me with sarcasm? I do not understand why. Now, she could have, she could have been insecure and, and decided, well, he probably did that because he doesn't care and he's abrasive and he's an idiot. That's probably why he could have done it. But she didn't do that because she was secure in her relationship with Jesus Christ. So in her security, she said, no, I sincerely want to know because if we can find out why you're doing what you're doing, maybe I can help you alter your behavior. Or maybe Jesus Christ can transform you from the inside out. Right? Proverbs 12 verse 18, here's just something for you. says, the tongue of the wise bring healing. Final principle. Final principle, go and be reconciled. We ask, how can I demonstrate the forgiveness of God? Encourage a reasonable solution to this conflict. It doesn't matter how, many research, how much research I have done for this message this morning. Friends, I want to tell you one thing. Not a single conflict can be resolved without forgiveness. There's not a single conflict that will ever be resolved without the willful choice to forgive one another. Cannot. Matthew 5, 24, Jesus says, you want to come worship? You want to come offer a gift to me? Go and reconcile with your brother, then come back. This is the priority Jesus places on reconciliation. You're sitting here, you know things are dishonoring God about other people or about yourself. You know it's hurting relationship, you know Stop faking peace. Stop acting as if everything is okay. Gently restore. Get the log. Glorify God. Ring your cell phone. Okay. This principle is an incredible invitation for all of us to say, Lord, I want to make every good endeavor to reconcile people with one another and to be reconciled with you, all of us. Three ways. Here's the how. Three ways. These are all scriptures. We need to forgive as God forgave us. We need to forgive as God forgave us. This is super important. Number two, we need to look to the interests of others. Philippians chapter two. Friends, this is only possible when you start seeing how much Jesus Christ looked to your interests. When he came and he died on the cross. And finally, number three, we need to overcome evil with good. Romans chapter 12. You know, even though Larry went from escaping to attacking, Janet never gave in. She never changed the tone of voice. She never, she never redirected the purpose of the conversation. It was always the glory and honor of God. The moment Larry attacks, she doesn't go and say, well, that's now. Look at what you're doing to me. No, I don't, I don't care what you're doing to me. I'm not going to change my tone of voice. The purpose does not change from glorifying God in this conversation so she realizes, oh my, what Larry maybe needs is, Larry, you see, that's what I mean. Maybe you don't mean to do it. Man, she's loving him. She's overcoming evil with good. 
She continues to believe the best about him. She affirms him. She treats him really kindly. She treats him full of grace and truth. This is how we can be peacemakers with God. Every conflict, the purpose is to glorify God. How can we glorify and honor God? Every conflict, you need to get the log out of your own eye. You start. We start. Us. Let's start. Not the other person. We gently restore because, man, who of you came to faith in Jesus Christ by him shouting at you everything you have done wrong? If you have ever had an encounter with God and he in that encounter restored you, loved on you, was it because he was shouting? Was it because he was blaming? Was he accusing? That's what Satan means, the accuser. No, the father came, came to forgive. Yes, he confronted. Oh man, he calls us out, right? But he forgives us. Okay. Dion, I want to ask you to join me on stage. Here's why. How in the world, how in the world are we going to do this? What is necessary for us to this morning say, okay, Christian, I want to be a peacemaker. I want to reconcile people to one another. I want to reconcile my family. I want to reconcile to God. What? How are we going to do this? Well, first of all, you need to recognize the truth that at some point, at one time in your life, all of us had conflict with God. We were all at enmity. We were enemies of God, deserving of His wrath, disobedient, following our own passions and desires, destroying one another, destroying relationship with Him. We had conflict with God, and there was not a single way we were ever going to reconcile it. Ephesians chapter 2 says exactly that. And then verse 4 comes and it says, But God but God being rich in mercy. Here's what God did. Became a man in Jesus Christ. And Jesus applied all of these principles. You know that he said, I do nothing unless I see my father doing it. So I speak not of my own accord, but of my father's. Jesus modeled the glory of his father. He constantly, Jesus had no speck, no log in his eye ever. Constantly encouraged his disciples. Hey guys, Did you get that log out? Did you start? Did you initiate? Did you forgive? Gently restores. Man, I think Peter was at his lowest place when he denied Jesus Christ three times. He saw healings. He saw miracles. He saw Lazarus being raised out of the dead. That's what he saw. Denies Jesus three times. and He says, I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to fishing. I'm going to pretend. I'm going to run going to pretend like none of this ever happened. He gives Jesus the flight response of his life. And Jesus comes and he cooks for him. Maybe, man, maybe sometimes we need to cook for the people who are just having conflict with us, you know. He cooks a fish and he says gently, Peter, do you love me? This morning is what he's asking. Do you love me? I want to gently restore you because I want to love you. 
I want to know you. I want to walk with you. Do you know what Jesus was willing to do to be reconciled to us? Of course you know. He gave his life. You will not be a peacemaker unless you realize how Jesus, how far he went to make peace with you, to make peace with us. So here's what I want us to do this morning. Can we surrender our desires to a holy God? Can we say that in conflict, it will not be about us, but it will be about the glory and honor of God. If you want to make that declaration this morning, I want to say, in my conflict situations, I will not push my agenda. I will not assert my desires. I will place the priority of God, His glory above me. Will you stand so we can pray with you? You're willing to do that. Okay, I want it. Maybe I should have said, be very careful before you stand. Because God will take you up on this offer. You want to be a peacemaker? You need God to come into your heart to gently restore you. You want to be a peacemaker? And this morning, you need to say, God, this is not about my desires. It's about your glory. I lay it down before you. As we're all standing, maybe some of us need to repent. In the last week or two or three or month, maybe you've handled conflict wrong. You know you shouted. You know you've handled this wrong. You want to get the log out of your own eye. Just quickly, I want to ask you, will you raise your hand if you want to repent this morning? There's someone who handled conflict wrong. Okay. Praise God. Praise God for those hands. God sees those hands right now. Right. You can let them down. Okay. So those who raise your hand, you're going to take a moment where you're going to repent. Okay. There's people here whose families are struggling with unforgiveness. Your heart And you want to stand in the gap. There's someone in your family. You know there's unforgiveness. And you want to trust God for forgiveness this morning. Will you raise your hand so we can pray with you? Okay. There's a couple of us. All right. Good. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay, I'm going to pray. We're going to surrender to God. In that prayer, we're going to repent to God. And then the families who need forgiveness, they're struggling with unforgiveness. I want to turn to you people and minister. Can we do that? Let ministry flow in this place. Let's pray. Father, this morning, it is not about our desires. You are enough for every person here. Matthew 6, you say, seek first my kingdom and I will look after your needs. Father, I pray this morning, your kingdom is one of peacemakers. Those are the children of God. It is those who say the glory of God, not my will. The glory of God, not my desires. In every conflict situation, I pray none of us will push down our agendas anymore. Father, I want to pray for the people who raise their hands to say, I'm going to repent that I handled conflict wrong. You guys can raise your hands again. Father, these hands that are raised right now, will you come and receive that sweet, sweet repentance? Show them how forgiven they are. Father, I pray you will show a new way, a better way. Forgive every person right now, Lord. Thank you that your forgiveness is here. We've handled conflict wrong, but Jesus, we need your grace. Man, we need your grace. No more shouting, no more emotions, no more pushing our own agendas, but the glory of God. Right now, Father, 
pray for those who raise their hands for unforgiveness in their families. If that is you, you're trusting for forgiveness in yourself or in your family, will you keep your hand raised quickly? All right. Father, come and minister to these people right now. Keep your hands raised. Family, will you quickly open your eyes? Look for a hand that is raised. Put your hand on that person. Pray for them. Let's pray. All of you, where we're standing right now, let's minister to these people whose hands are raised right now. Families, forgiveness. There is nothing more damaging to a family than unforgiveness and bitterness. We're standing in the gap for these families. Let's pray. Minister. There's hands there in the back. Please can we minister to those people right there in the back as well. something beautiful Lord minister forgiveness restoration no more bitterness break their hearts break the hardness Bring humility. Please, Father, make peace. Restore. Father, right now, I pray that your spirit will continue to minister in this place. Pray for every hand that is held. They will know the forgiveness of God and the people they're standing in the, ba- in, in the gap for right now. The people they're representing, I pray, Lord, right now, while we're sitting right now, do a miracle, Father. Go, Holy Spirit, go into these homes, penetrate these hearts. No more broken families, restoration and healing. Forgiveness reigns in this place. Jesus Christ has paid the price so that forgiveness can can reign, reign in this place. Yes, Jesus. We honor you. You're a good God and you will restore. You will restore. I feel God making a promise. Friends, if you are here and you are willing to take up the call to be a peacemaker like Jesus Christ, God promises this morning to work through and restore your family. God makes you a promise this morning. He will restore your family if you will be a peacemaker.